Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. Just to let you know that if you're wanting to partner with us in a celebration, I do take cash gifts. Anyway, right, moving on. But it is the Cape Town Cycle Tour today, and uh, we've got a whole number of people in our church who are riding, and a lot of them are riding for our, our non-profit Domino, um, who, Swap Shop, and our non-profit foundation. And it's no coincidence that we've got all these people riding who don't normally ride, that next Sunday we are preaching on healing. It's no coincidence. It's actually happening. It's really happening. Uh, we're preaching on healing next week, so at both our morning campuses. But just also, just a little shout out, next week, Sunday night, if you are not in the custom to coming across to our evening meeting every now and again uh, at the Tableview campus, we've got a man named Dr. Andrew Butterworth, a good friend of mine who is a pastor in a church in Joburg, but he's also at the same time a, a medical doctor, and he's got a, he's got a passion for healing. So, and it's going to be incredible just to hear about from a, a theological and also from a scientific perspective on healing. Because sometimes I feel we, you chuck out one or the other. But actually we're saying we believe that God does both. He uses doctors but also does the miraculous. So that will be just an incredible evening. If you've got questions, why don't you come join us for that. But this morning and at this season, we are in the season of Move the Mountain Faith. And uh, we are really trusting and believing that this, is, this series and this season is giving us an appetite, a large appetite to trust God for the impossible things. Or at the very least giving us language to, on how to engage Him with this area of faith. And we're really believing that this is a season where the mountains that have stood opposed to you and I for maybe years and years, this is the year, this is a season when those things are coming down. Just three people, that's good. Good, thank you. Three of us, we can do this thing, great. But uh, on that, in that note, this morning I love us to stand to our feet, not going to waste any time. Let's get straight to the Word. Acts chapter 3, we're going to be reading 11 verses of Scripture. The reason we stand, if you are unfamiliar, is it's just an indication to remind us that we are participators with the Word of God, not just mere spectators. We're not just uh, observing what's going on here. We're actually participating, leaning in and saying, God, everything that your Word has, I want it. Is everyone all right for that? Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. Let's read the scripture. It's on the screen here, or you can read it in your Bible or your smartphone. But here it is up front. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then, walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that you are here. Let that... Let that never 
get old for us, that God Almighty is here. And I thank you, you're here with the agenda to pursue the furthest heart. You're here to bring courage to the weakest hearts, and you're here softening the hardest hearts. I thank you, Jesus, that you are doing this all by your powerful word. I also thank you that you're reminding those very carnal Man United fans that football is just a game. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Before you sit, the title of my sermon this morning is I'm Up For It. So while you are taking your seat, why don't you high-five three people and say, I'm up for it. Are you? Come on. This is church. Let me give you a little bit of a background if you're unfamiliar with the children's uh, church song or you're unfamiliar with the scripture. Some background about this, this gentleman, this fellow that makes his appearance, this one-time appearance in the scriptures in this passage. He is known simply as the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. That's, that's how we, we know about him, the lame beggar at the gate beautiful. He hasn't walked for 40 years, 40 years without knowing the pleasure of running, the joy of dancing. The thrill of playing sport. He's been in the same spot for many years. But this is the fact that I love. Is that nobody has bothered to get his name. Doesn't that amaze you? I'm like, this guy has been in the same spot for ages. Everyone knows this guy. They're like, actually, this is how probably they do directions. You want to go left. And then when you get to the lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. You go right. and then, So he was like an institution. And nobody knew his name. I just love that. I'm like, this is amazing. But the fact that, that that gets for me is that he had become defined by his condition and his location. Lame beggar, gate beautiful. That's your identity. He was defined by his disability, defined by his lack. But this morning from the get-go, I want to tell you with such excitement in my heart, are you ready for some good news? We serve a king who is in the redefining business. A God who takes what is broken and says, actually, with the things that are written off, the things that are forgotten, the things that have, have died, he says, actually, I'm in the redefining business. That's who I am. On the cross, there hung a man who redefined who I am. This morning, that is exciting for you and I, because I believe, we believe that no story is too far gone for the good news of Jesus Christ. No story is too broken. No mountain is too big. For, uh, no one is too stuck for our mountain-moving God to work. God is in the redefining business. But here is my question, my thesis, my dilemma this morning from this text. I want to ask us, what do you do when your mountain seems like it won't move? The question I want to ask is, what do you do when your mountain won't seem to move? When your spouse just won't change, no matter how hard you pray. When your financial situation just won't get better. The addictions just won't loosen their grip. Your guilt and shame won't let you move on. Your health just won't improve. What do you do when your mountain won't move? I want to say to you, suggest this morning that no matter how lame and immovable the situation, I believe that there are three postures that we are always able to take. And I want to give them to you as a gift from the scripture this morning and hope that we'll be stir our hearts to respond appropriately tomorrow, Tuesday, and for the rest of our lives. You up for this? I'm up for this. Good. It's good, good, good. So though he couldn't walk, he took up three postures. This man, this lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. He could not walk, but he took up three postures. I love to suggest that number one for you and I this morning is a posture of expectation. 
posture of expectancy, a posture of expectation. You see, this man's routine hadn't changed for years. For years, this man, day after day, has gone and set up his stall. The friends have bought him, and he set up his stall there at the front of the church, the front of the temple. And he's, it's a good place to a good place to set up. Obviously, a lucrative place because people coming in and out of church set up, and that's where he knows his little narrative. He knows his little spiel. Can I have some money, please? And that, he's known this agenda for years after years. He might not have known the strength of his legs, but I can imagine he's, because of his eyesight where he's, he's seated down on the floor, he probably can recognize many people by their legs. He's, ah, it's, it's that person walking past again. Ah. Doesn't even have to lift his eyes. So much so that Peter and John have to say to him, look at us. You see, for this, for, for the years, this man had fixed his eyes on what, what had disqualified him. But in one moment, he was called to attention to expect something different. Peter and John walk past. Everyone else walks past. There's maybe some a jingling of change into his little hat that he puts out or whatever utensil he was using. Money, please, money, please. But in this moment, they said, hey, look at us. Give us your attention. Lift your eyes. And this, this question that is, I want to ask us this morning is, what are you fixing your eyes on? What have you been giving your attention to? Your disabilities? Your disqualifications, your deficiencies, your defaults, your regrets, your what-ifs, or his provision, his perspective, his promise. You see, here's my thought this morning, is that our future is determined by which direction we are looking. Our future is determined by which direction we are looking. Are you looking at what has been, or are you looking towards the unseen? Your future is determined by which direction you're looking. We've used this again and again, but I feel it's a, you cannot preach old school faith without going old school to the Old Testament. The story of Moses leading the Egyptians out of Egypt. They, they've seen the power of God. They're getting set free. And they're moving towards the promised land. And as they're going behind them, they hear the chariots. They're moving before them is freedom and the Red Sea that seems immovable in front of them. But behind them, the chariots, the enemy are coming behind them. And what is the, the thing for them? They turn their gaze back to the enemy and they say, why did you bring us out from there to die here in the wilderness? We could have had graves at least in Egypt. At the sound of the enemy behind them, the Israelites just could not help but look back to where they'd been. But thank God for a man named Moses, who was a man who did not look to where he had been, but looked towards the unseen. In that moment, where everyone else saw the Red Sea, God said, lift up your hand and watch what I'll do in front of you. Which direction are you looking? To what has been or towards the unseen? Because I believe whichever direction you look will determine your future. Too many of us, including myself, have more confidence, I believe, in the power of sin than we do in the power of Jesus. Just by... The direction we're looking. You see, here's the the thought this morning is God is not moved by need. He is moved by faith. He is not moved by need. He is moved by faith because without faith is impossible to please God. A man named Billy Graham, who's in the news at the moment because he has just passed away, a hero in the Christendom faith, a man who saw millions get saved through his powerful preaching of the gospel. But his story begins when he was a, a young student at university, a man who, in, in the company of friends he kept, they used to say, Billy, you've got a really simple faith. And they weren't meaning it in a promising way. They were, it was in a condescending way. They said, you are, you've, you've kissed your brains goodbye because you cannot orate or articulate the, the, the arguments of the day. You just are too simple just believing the word, Billy. True story, if you go read his, his, the, the book around him. 
There came the moment where, with some friends, they were saying they were, they were discussing the return of Christ, and they were getting into some the, 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 the incredible articulations of revelation of when Jesus would come back. And the crying Billy's heart is saying, "I don't know when he's coming back, but before he does, I want to do something great for him." That's what he said. And they said, "Okay." They start to pray this, and they're praying. They said, "Let's pray that that God would use us." And as they were having this prayer meeting, they suddenly lost sight of Billy. Where's Billy gone? They could hear him, but they couldn't see him anymore. Until they realized that Billy was lying face down in the wet grass, banging his fist on the ground saying, God, let me do something great for you. Let me do something great. Just this sense of expectation. Years later, Anne Graham, his wife, said it was this expectation and sense of destiny that was upon Billy Graham was the thing that attracted her to him. And I would hearken to say this morning that actually I don't believe it was just Anne Graham who was attracted by that sense of expectation and destiny. I believe someone else was listening. Because actually scriptures tell us that God is attracted to expectation. So much so that Helette Borto came a few weeks back here from Doha. She said these words. She said that our expectation is his invitation. That's good. Someone should write that down. Our expectation is his invitation. So much so that we, we hear again, the expectation unlocks the impossible. I've been reading the, the prophetic uh, writing of Ezekiel. There's a script, uh, writing, a man called Ezekiel who writes a book in the Old Testament. And there's this, this, this well, in Christianity circles, this well-used text where in chapter 37 where the prophet Ezekiel has this almost type discussion with God. And the Spirit of God, God brings Ezekiel out and says, gives him a vision and says, What do you see, son of man? And Ezekiel looks out and he says, I see a valley of dry bones. But here's the great news as you keep reading on, God says, look again, son of man, what do you see now? As he looked again with eyes of faith, he says, I see muscle, sinew, flesh starting to come upon these bones. And a valley of dry bones start to rattle and take shape and form and, and, and become humanity and become an army rising up. What do you see, son of man? God asked Ezekiel. And he gave him opportunity to look. Do you look with your natural eyes or do you look with eyes of faith at your situation? I ask you this morning, what do you see, sir, ma'am? Do you see the dry bones of your financial situation? Do you see the dry bones of your relational status? Do you see the dry bones of your spiritual life? Or do you see the potential of a different future? What I love about my daughter, Olivia, is no matter what has happened the night before, no matter whether she struggled to go down and it took us begging, pleading, rocking, patting, whatever, whether it was a night punctuated with many on-the-hour wake-ups, whether there was the dirty nappy at three in the morning, whether there was all hell breaking loose at whatever time, no matter what has happened the night before, when I go in there the next morning at 6.30 and put the light on, Olivia is standing at her cot like this. Hi, Dad! And, and, and I'm like... Do you not remember what happened this last night? I'm like, I love you, but hell, you tested me last night. You know those moments. It happens infrequently now and more and, less, more, and more. But I want to tell you that what I love about that little girl in that moment is that actually she's not worried about what happened that moment. She knows in this moment a new morning has dawned. And that's the very nature of our God. He has, as the scripture tells us, He has new mercies every morning for you and I. He has greater things in front of us. And actually, it's the opportunity is not to whether you believe it in theory or not. It's whether you will turn your eyes and look that direction. Look at us, they said. Your future is determined by which direction you're looking. He picked up a posture of expectation. Secondly, though, to run alongside that, was he had a posture of obedience. You see, faith without obedience... It's just wishful thinking. 
expectancy without an action to follow is just hopeful thinking. But actually, we see the story. They, go, they say, look at us. The next thing they say is, silver and gold we do not have, but what we do have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Now, let me tell you, you had two options at that moment. It was either going to get really awkward and they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he goes, thank you. Bless you guys. I receive that word in faith. Or he could get up and walk. At response to the word that was spoken to him in that moment. Here's the thing. We say it. I said it last week. I'll say it. I think it's worth saying again. God settles it. God said it. That settles it. God settles said it. That settles it. Smith Wigglesworth, as I mentioned last week, a plumber who saw the power of God used through his ministry like, like in crazy ways. Ways where people say the four, on record 14 people raised from the dead through his ministry. Incredible healings, and and he was a, a, quite an extreme figure. But when they're trying to understand the source of this preacher's power, they say other preachers preach, but you seem to preach with power. What is your secret, Smith? They're waiting. Tell us. Tell us the the herbal tea you drink in the morning. Tell us. Tell us the source of the power. And he said, Oh, I've got four things. And they're like, Oh, that's good. It makes a it's perfect for a blog. Four points. They're like, Oh, here we go. And Lailina says, Here's my four points. He says, I read the Bible. Secondly. He says, I consume the Bible until it consumes me. He says, thirdly, I believe the Bible. And he said, and finally, I act on the Bible. Maybe a little bit disappointing for, for people who wanted something grander, but he said, that is the source of my power. The source of his power is my expectancy, but also my obedience to what he has put in my heart. Because you see, too often, I think we empower lame situations with lame excuses. And, and, and us as Christians, church-going folk, are probably the worst. At it. We've just got good excuses. Like, they're bizarre, but they seem to work. For example, we say to people, where are you, are you serving? Where are you serving? No, I'm still praying and seeking the Lord about it. Oh. Do you share your faith? No, no, no. It's, it's not my gift. No, not my gift, that one. Have you been baptized yet? You know, it's the water crisis, and I'm just, I'm environmentally thinking, maybe when that's over. We get creative with these excuses. Have you forgiven that person yet? I'm waiting for them just to say sorry first. You're sick? Have you called somebody to come and lay hands on you? No, 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 I'm, I'm walking a road with the Lord on this one. You know, you know what, we get very creative with these things, when actually... The scriptures are clear and say sometimes we, we live, yes, and live in a realm of mystery that God, sometimes we do what God says we do and that doesn't always work out perfectly. But so many, many of us are not walking into the mysterious, incredible, greater things God has for us because we're not being obedient with the simple revealed things. You see, what, what they said, I love this. When they say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, it demanded a response. And here's, here's something that I love to, to say, and I've started to say it again and again in, in conversations, is you and I are not animals. Big revelation. You might want to write that down. You've come to church for me to tell you you're not an animal. What do I mean by that? Animals live in instinct. They hear a noise, they run. They're just, it's just, it's wide and they live on animal instinct. They do what is hardwired into them. You and I are not animals. We have the opportunity to respond. We don't have to respond to, I'm hardwired that way. No, you can respond differently. Sir, ma'am, let me give you courage this morning. You can't choose your situation, but you can control your response.
You cannot control the mountain and when it will rise or fall, but you can control your response to it. You can, you can rise up above the gossip. You can rise up above the setback. You can rise up above the betrayal. You can rise up above the abuse. I promise you, sir, ma'am, you have the authority and ability to respond. Expectation is changing where you look. Look at us. Obedience is starting to walk in that direction. Maybe if you want it in a different way, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Let me say that again, because I've written that one down a few times. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Maybe this simplistic illustration will help. I can sit on the couch all afternoon and going, I really, really could go for a sandwich right now. No, no, no. God, let me turn this to prayer. God, I really, I beseech thee for thy bounty to bring me a sandwich this afternoon. Father, move on Fiona's heart in such a way that she'll be led to get a sandwich and the ingredients out of the fridge. I pray, Father, would you just minister right now, wherever she's at, even now, just do a work so that I get my sandwich. I ain't getting no sandwich. Because my intention does not is not enough. Actually, if I get off the couch and start moving towards the fridge, maybe then I'll get a sandwich. Silly illustration. But too many people are living in the realm of saying, I really want God to do something for me. But actually God's saying, I'm not moved by need, I'm moved by faith. And faith looks like expectation. Change where you look and start walking in that direction. We get this opportunity. And I, I, I really believe everybody wants to harvest, but nobody wants to plow a field. Everyone wants God's blessings, God's thing. If we took a poll here, who wants to be blessed by God? Who wants God to bring their mountains down? None of you, I'm telling you, unless you're really just wanting to play hardball with me, would go, not me. Everyone would go, I want that. The difference, though, is actually how many people will start walking in that direction. Those are the people who see the harvest, see what God is going to do. Here's my question to land this point. Here is, what has the enemy talked you into that God is calling you out of? Too many people, we've given our ear to lame excuses. We've given our ear to even to, to, to things that we've allowed ourselves and we've even spiritualized them up. When actually scripture is clear, obey. It's not fancy. I, I read the word. I, I consume it till it consumes me. I believe the word and I act on it. Power. I tell a story very quickly on this point. There's a, a story I've been reading. Reinhard Bonnke, one of my heroes, a great German evangelist into the nation of Africa, uh, the continent of Africa. And uh, he tells the story of a lady called Jean Neal. And it's actually, you can find the YouTube clip on. So here's, you can do that later this afternoon, YouTube clip. Um, the story of Jean Neal is that she was a woman for 25 years that, were, that could not walk. She was in a wheelchair. She had had three operations on her spine. And actually, I said, her heart had been so weakened by all these operations, the meds she was on, that if she had a fourth one, she would, it would, it would, the potential of fatal consequences. So while she was adding all this up and wrestling with it, um, she, was, she was trusting God for healing people, prayed for it, but nothing really had happened. The mountain hadn't seemed to move. So she, and one night, she went to sleep, and she had a dream. The first dream was her, of her on the operating theater, the table. And she, her heart flatlining and the doctor going to her husband saying, I'm so sorry, sorry, we knew this was a risk, but your wife didn't make it. And she woke up, cold sweat, felt so real. And she's like, what the heck is that about? And she, is it my fears? What's, what's, what's leaping up? Is this a, is this a supernatural dream? Is this a warning? Or is this just this, I ate too much pizza? What, what's going on? 
So she said, yeah, I'm just going to go back to sleep. She went back to sleep and almost immediately she had a different dream where she was sitting in a row of wheelchaired people at a, at a meeting where there was a man with a foreign accent speaking who spoke, said, came up to her and said, went up to the first lady and said, get up and walk. And the woman in the chair next to her stood, but then fell back down. And he said to her, get up and walk. And she got up and she walked. She woke up, different feeling now. But these were both felt so tangible and real. So she went to her pastor and said, listen, I don't know what to do here. I've got these two things. One is fills me with such dread and one's with such hope. What do I do? And he said, well, let's choose to believe the one that fills you with hope. So he said, let's actually not look at that one. Let's look at this one and start trusting. And she was like, I know, but I've had my hopes dashed many times. I've trusted for 25 years. It's a, this is hard. It's not just light and fluffy. This is emotions. And, and, and it's complicated. But she's like, you know what? I'm going to believe again. Little did she know was Reinhard Bonke was coming to do a youth conference in her, her, her English village that, uh, that weekend coming up. She involved herself in youth ministry years before. So she got an invite just by chance to go along. She's not a youth member. She just went. She's a little older. And so she went along in a wheelchair all the way there. And Reinhard, this is where the, 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 the YouTube clip picks it up. That was from his book. Uh, it picks it up where, where he gets up on stage and he starts to preach the gospel. But as he's preaching, he, the Holy Spirit says, I want, I'm going to heal that woman in the wheelchair today. So faith leaps in his heart. He starts to preach the gospel as he did. People respond to Jesus in an incredible way. And then as he's about to pray for the sick, somebody comes and says, listen, we've only got 15 minutes left in this venue. We only booked it till 6 o'clock. So he panics. Makes the YouTube trip, uh, clip even more dramatic. He panics. He's like, doesn't have enough time. So he leaps off the stage, goes to a, he's trying to find this woman who the Holy Spirit must pray for, goes to a lady in a wheelchair, prays for her. She stands up and falls down. And he's like, I've missed it. But little do you know, in Jean Neal's heart, she's going, that's my dream. Exactly what God has spoken to me. So faith is leaping in her heart. She might not be leaping in the natural, but faith, like expectancy. She's looking with faith now, choosing not to believe that one, but believe the truth, what God is saying. And you see in the clip, Reinhardt starts to run. And he runs up the aisle all the way to the back. And he gets to her, and he's praying with her. And, and, and in, the, in the conversation they have, you read in the book, he said to her, um, Jesus is going to heal you today. And with tears, she says, I know, I know, I know. And her husband, he says, looked like he was going to punch him. Says, because he was like, he said, my wife doesn't have hip bones anymore. She can't stand. And, and, and as she, as he said, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, she stood up and fell forward onto him. And he thought, what have I done? But as she fell forward, he started to feel, actually, this is something, this is not just the bones falling away. This is, God's working here. And Reinhard, in his very German, simplistic way, said, Dr. Jesus is healing you. And she starts to say, I can feel my bones. I can feel my bones. And if you watch the video, she stands up straight, big eyes, and then she takes off running. She starts running. And she starts running on the venue, disappears. And Reinhardt goes, my God, my God, where is that woman? Where is that woman? And you can just see the husband just holding onto the wheelchair. What the heck's happened? She sprints around the venue, hugging people, leaps all the way, comes all the way around, just, and then they get them on the platform. It, it's just this incredible, incredible story demonstration of God's power, but I love the story of a woman who chose to turn, tell you the way she looked, where she looked, she had options, options to where to look, 25 years of history, a negative dream, or actually I'm going to turn to what God has spoken, but also in that moment as it came, she believed what God had said. I want to I put before you again, what has God spoken? Because if you leave here today by going, that was a nice word, I like that guy, he tells some good stories, you will not be changed. But you will be changed if you start walking in obedience to what God has spoken to you. So, ma'am, what has God said? Let's start doing it. Point one, 
posture of expectation. Point two, a posture of obedience. Point three, and finally this morning, is a posture of partnership. The story continues. They say, in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. It says, Peter put out his hand and he lifted him up. And the Bible tells us that his legs found healing as he was being pulled up. It wasn't spoken in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Yeah, I'm better now. No, no, it took a partnership for him to respond in faith. And with Peter and John, as he took hold of their hand, as he stood up, healing came. Too many people are waiting for the miracle, not wanting to participate in the miracle. You see, here's the thing. You and I were never meant to do this alone. Let me say this strongly. We're never meant to do this alone. If you don't get this, you'll surround yourself with people who make you feel comfortable, but who never challenge you. When I think about this guy, I think he had sat outside a Jewish temple for 40 years. Sat there day after day. He sat there. He's well known. Lame beggar at the gate, beautiful. He's known. He probably was looked after because in the Jewish faith, it's the third tenet of the faith is actually to look after those who are not able to look after themselves, to look after the poor and the broken, to look after the infirm, those who are unable to look after themselves. It's a great value. So actually, I bet that community looked after him really well. In winter, they did a blanket drive. They did a, a food bucket drive. They did all these things. They looked after this guy. It was actually a lucrative because he wasn't moving from that church. That's why he's still there. They, they speak tithing in there. So come on, give me bucks out here. No, it's like, it's a good spot for this guy. But actually, here's the thing. He had been made comfortable, but God was waiting for a man, a man named Peter and John who was not just going to make him comfortable. We're actually going to call him out of that situation. Come, that situation is good to meet people's needs, but actually God is calling us not just to meet their needs, but call them actually to the greatest need, to the greatest story, to a bigger future. Here's the amazing thing. Scripture says it this way. Don't be unequally yoked. And we read that, and yes, it's in a marriage context. Don't, it's not good to marry somebody who doesn't share your faith because you, it's not, you can't walk together in the, in the essence of who you are. I'd like to push a little bit further and say don't be unequally yoked in the sense of don't surround yourself with people who agree with your status quo. Instead of hanging with people who continually pull you down, start hanging with people who pull you up. I'll say it one different way, one final different attempt at getting this point in our heads is if you want to slay giants, hang out with giant killers. If you want to see mountains fall, get yourself around people who are faith people. Who are not just, uh, who are not there, don't, you don't want to have people around you, just point out the size of your mountain, that's easy to do. You need to have people who are going to keep reminding you the size of your God. He has the understanding. David was a man, he gets, he gets characterized almost into cartoonish fashion, where David's success comes in the Bible, how? Because he killed the giant Goliath. Everyone knows that story, he's like, ah, oh, we know that one. What's little known fact is those men that years later, David surrounds himself with a bunch of washed up men who have who've been disappointed, who've been dejected, who have now in debt and despair, and they come and they gather around David and they become known as David's mighty men. If you keep reading their stories in the book of Chronicles, you find out that many of those men slayed giants themselves. Doesn't get the, the Hollywood treatment almost as David and Goliath does. But I want to tell you, I suggest that it doesn't take a leap of the imagination that these guys who were washed up got to slay giants. Why? Because they, they hung around a giant killer. A man who could tell them stories of faith. A man who had done it before. Here's the understanding. I love you to do this. I know many of you hate it, but I feel it's a helpful activation. Can you say to the person next to you, if this is all right, can you say, I need you. 
You need me. We're better together. Come on, let's do it together. One, two, three. This is community. One, two, three. I need you. Come on. Now, if you're single, that's not a pickup line. Just um, careful, careful. Why I say that is I really believe you're not here by chance. I really believe God has linked you and I, us together, for a reason. Not just to comfort each other. Yes, that's a great thing. Not just to think to meet each other's needs. Yes. But I believe that we are linked together, not just to make each other happy in a holy huddle and wait for Jesus to come back as we sing Kumbaya. No, we have been linked together to change the city. We've been linked together. That actually together, God is going to do great things through you and I. We need to remind our hearts of this, that we've been partnered for this reason. That's why I say there's something powerful about our gathering together. Church on YouTube is not enough. You need partnership. That's why actually the highlight of the service is not a sermon. It's not worship. It's actually moments where we do it. We come together to engage the word of God. We come together to worship. We come together to comfort. We come together to challenge. We come together to raise hands when we don't feel like it. When the person next to you is going, I don't know where to look. But the man next to me is raising hands, singing, saying, actually, God can still do. This is partnership when we move in with faith. You see, expectation is changing where you look. Obedience is to start walking in that direction. Partnership is taking the hand of people who called you up. They said this, look at us. And he said, though I can't walk, I'm up for it. They said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I'm up for it. They said, take my hand. I'm up for it. Everything in this man suggests that he should be down. But actually, this man said, no, I'm going to change my posture. I can't walk, but I'm going to still pick up a posture of expectation. I can't walk, but I can still pick up a posture of obedience. I can't walk, but I still can pick up a posture of partnership and watch what God will do. Let me land in this moment by suggesting to you that a hyped up radiant preacher, I know that some of you are facing impossible situations. I know that some of you are sitting here with heartbreak in your heart. I know that some of you have seen the mountain that we're going, move the mountains. You're saying the last few months, the mountains just seems to have got bigger. I don't know where to turn. But I can tell you this morning that I have confidence for you today. I have confidence for me today because Jesus died the death that we deserved. Now, that might sound a religious phrase. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he died for us while we were yet sinners. Let me make it even better. Ephesians tells us he died for us while we were his enemies. Wait, wait, it gets even better. It says he died for us while we were dead. What this suggests to me is that Jesus died for us when we had no expectation. Jesus died for us when we had no obedience. No ability to point to, hey, look what I've done. Actually, the amazing news is Jesus died when we had no expectation, no obedience. He died, went to the death with, for our, on our place, and he rose again in power. And this is the amazing scripture tells us that when he rose again, we were raised with Christ. Scripture goes on and says this, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and I. Here's my whole thesis round up in a little bit. I believe Jesus is here this morning. The Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is here and he's putting his hand out saying, I'm ready to partner with you. I want to partner with you. I want to partner with you. Though you don't see the mountains move, will you trust me? Well, though you feel that there's no strength in your legs, though you feel there's no strength in your finance, though you feel there's no strength in your relationship, though you think there's no strength in your emotions, though you think I can't go on, he says, actually, are you up for it? And Jesus is wanting to partner with us, not in a, in a hyped up way, but in, by the Spirit of God is wanting to say, 
I want to put expectation in your heart. Will you look at me? Get up and walk. Take hold of my hand. I believe this is a, this is a, 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 a playbook for how you and I can face our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but I also believe it's a moment for us to respond now. Too often we have the excuse, I will delay one day. Yes, that's great. Thank you. But actually the Spirit of God's here now. Scripture tells me as a preacher that though faith comes by hearing the word. I believe I've been faithful to preach the word, so faith is here. But I believe also now that the response opportunity is you and I. We're not animals. We get to choose to respond. Will you let this pass by and go, that was another great word, or was this a moment where God is calling me up? Can we close our eyes? I would love to say, if you here this morning and you have never made a decision to follow Christ, maybe you've done religion, you've done church, but you've never embraced the full power of having your soul revived by Jesus Christ. You've never made the trade. You've gone half in, but you've never gone all in on Jesus. But you say, today is the day when I want Jesus to become not just my Savior, but my Lord. If that's you in this place, I love you. I'm going to count to three. I love you just to lift up your hand. No one, not for anyone else. No one's looking around. Just me so I can pray with you. But it sometimes takes an activation of faith. If that's you, one, two, three. Can you put your hand up? I'd love to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Cool. Father, I pray right now. Keep your hand up. No one's looking, just me. Father, I thank you that these hands that they lifted up are, are lifted to heaven. And it's a little bit of strength. It might seem silly. It might seem small, just a hand, a hand in the air. But God, I thank you that you see with your eyes, you see faith. So I pray right now, God, as your faith is activated in hearts, I thank you. Your word tells us that when we turn away from our sin and we turn to you, we are saved. So I thank you, Father God, Spirit of the living God, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would you raise your sons and daughters? I pray right now, Father God, that you are sealing hearts for you for eternity. I thank you, God, that you're doing only what you can do. I pray right now that these lives will never be the same. The reality of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him would be theirs in fullness. I thank you for this. If you put your hand up, you can put it down. But if you may, if you put that hand up in a small way, I'd love you to posture yourself in partnership afterwards by telling somebody what you've done. Don't just leave it and say, that was done in private. Cool, take it off. Tell somebody. Share it. Say, this, I made a decision for Christ. I made a decision to follow him. This is what we do together. I'm going to ask finally, can we all stand to our feet? I'd love to pray. Then we can go have coffee. Maybe you're facing a mountain in front of you that is large. Maybe you're facing a situation that seems big and overwhelming. Maybe you're just, even your own, your own sinful nature, you've been just struggling to wrestle that thing to the ground. Whatever the thing that is standing opposed to you, but today the Word of God has come and sh- shaped and shaken expectation awake. Maybe the Word of God has come and said, actually, I'm going to obey what He has said already. I'm not going to put it off any longer. And you actually, I'm going to partner with people. And actually, ultimately, I'm going to partner with the Spirit of God. If that's you and you're saying, today, this Word is for me. I need it to settle in deep and change me forever. I'd love you to lift, lift your hands in a, in a posture of expectation. Father, I thank you as hands are lifted up. Again, it's physical response to your Word. But God, it represents spiritual coming alive. I thank you, Father God. I prophesy I'm up for it.
over every single heart here. I'm up for it. I pray, Father God, for men and women who've been disappointed by church, men and women who've been disappointed by relationships, disappointed by things. I pray for, for faith to rise up saying, actually, will you get up again? Will you get up again? Will you get up again? I pray, God, into every situation, every mountain that stands opposed, we know, Father God, that you are the mountain-moving God. But I thank you, Father God, we believe it's not by might, nor by power, but by your Spirit. And because of that, we can say, who are you, O great mountain? You shall become a plain, a molehill before our God. I thank you, Father God, that tomorrow morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, when the mountain seems large, I pray, Father God, for expectancy to rise. For people to say, though I can't walk, I can pick up a posture of expectancy. Though I can't move, I can pick up a posture of obedience. Though I don't have strength inside me, I can pick up the posture of partnership because I can't do this alone. I thank you, Father God, that you're giving us a roadmap on how, what to do when our mountains won't seem to move. And I thank you, Father, you do this all by your powerful powerful name. The name of Jesus, the name that captivates. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we can get up and walk. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we can face tomorrow. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we can have a better future than what has gone before. We trust that name. And today as a people, as a community, we say, we trust you, Jesus. I thank you, Father God, for what you're doing. Amen.